This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels. This is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How you doing today? I am uh, a bit like decompressing and recovering from Forum Next. Uh, you can maybe hear it a little bit in my voice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm really feeling great. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Forum, Forum Next was amazing. Uh, Forum Next was amazing. It was a really, really great event. It was amazing. It was my first show since like about two years or so. So for me, it was the first time and seeing some people in a very long time. So it was, it was really amazing. I loved it. I loved it. Well, who do we have on the pod today? Uh, today, we've got Frank uh, Rosengreen Lorenzen, and he is the CEO of the Danish AM Hub, or I think it's Dansk AM Hub. And they are the, well, the kind of the special interest organization, the lobbying organization that's trying to bring the Danish uh, 3D printing uh, community together and trying to, well, you know, make De- uh, Denmark more of a 3D printed country, if you will. Uh, and I think they're doing a really good job of it, actually. And I think a lot of other country and, and, and national associations and things could learn from them. And that's why I thought it was a good idea to have uh, him on the show today. So, so, yeah, welcome, Frank. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, so so first off, I mean, uh, well, I, th- I think it's best to explain. What is the, the Dansk AM Hub? What do you guys do? Yeah, so the Danish uh, AM Hub is a fund that is uh, initiated by uh, one of the uh, five really great foundations here in uh, Denmark called the Industry uh, Foundation. And we are uh, four years uh, old. And today we have uh, also uh, 50 uh, member organizations, uh, typically uh, large manufacturers like uh, Danish uh, Lego or Grundfos or some of the large uh, AM developers out there like uh, EOS, Stratasys, HP, uh, etc. We have uh, received almost 10 million uh, euro from the uh, industry uh, foundation, and we have a little bit of income uh, coming in from uh, the uh, memberships uh, as well. And we use that money uh, to uh, really bring additive manufacturing out in the Danish uh, industry. But not only that, uh, we try to kind of lead the the development in how to use this fantastic technology when it comes to sustainable manufacturing. How, and how are you leveraging it for sustainability? Like what are, yeah. what are you guys seeing as the real advantage of that? Yeah. There's, there's, a lot can be done in either direction, right? True, <laughs> true, true, Max. That's, uh, that's a great uh, question and you're digging uh, right in there. And it's really, uh, you know, it's really something that has uh, haunted me for, for years. So uh, I, came on board as CEO three years ago. And before that, I've uh, spent years and years as a strategy and technology consultant. Uh, and I used to work with uh, how, how strategically uh, small and medium-sized uh, producers in Denmark could use this technology to do something differently, right? One of the things that I started noticing was that uh, when I came across uh, people on, uh, close to the production or came across some of our uh, Danish AM experts, uh, they would they would show me a component or a part, and they would say, you know, look at this, Frank. This part here used to be five different parts, but now because we can print it, uh, we you know just have one part. <laughs> and I asked them, wow, that's really <laughs> fantastic. 
do you have any documentation on that? You know, what is what is uh, what is the impact in terms of CO2, in terms of material, transportation and waste? And they would just, you know, look at me and say, yeah, so uh, we have work to do. And that's that's kind of typically where we are uh, right now when I think about uh, AM and uh, sustainability. Also, just uh, echoing uh, juries on, uh, on on the form next. I, you know, I also have a bit of a rusty voice because I've also been <laughs> at uh, at form next. Um, and you know, I I went around and I saw like six hundred great uh, exhibitions with you know large machines and a lot of people. But we just need to remember that, you know, that's only machines. It's us as human beings that decide how do we want to use them. And I asked a lot of the persons there, you know, what, what, what in terms of sustainability, how is your technology more sustainable than, say, an injection mold or a milling machine or whatever? Or how is your material more sustainable? And, you know, the answers are still not there yet. Uh, but only if we work on it, uh, we can get done right. Uh, and that's what we're, we're trying to do. And I'll elaborate a bit more on the activities that we have in line there. But do you, do you think the answers aren't there? Because people are more focused on how to make this like profitable in a sense or, or yeah. to justify it before we even get to the fact that we're producing less parts and therefore it's, you know, automatically makes, well, not automatically, but it should theoretically make less carbon impact and stuff like that, that they're still trying to justify the expense of the machines on some level. Yeah, for sure. No, let's just cut to the chase, right? Let's just go right in, <laughs> right, right into the, to the magic here. So sure. uh, in a week's time, there's Black Friday, right? And then we'll we'll all go to the websites and we'll we'll uh, order something that is you know uh, something that we probably won't need. And then mm -hmm. you know probably it will be produced in China and then sent around the world, and we'll have it in two days' times, and that's great. Or is it? <laughs> you know, yeah. because that's, that's, that's the production system. That's how the production is built today. We have only been focusing on cost and on efficiency, and we need to focus on sustainability. You know, that focus hasn't been there. It wasn't there five or 10 years ago, but it's yeah. there today. Uh, so it, during, you know, the uh, COP26 and also with the recently launched IPCC report, you know, it's clearly that we have been given a code red. You know, it's that serious right now. So right. just just to echo, uh, uh, you know, a, a great uh, Swedish friend of mine, the house is on fire. Uh, and the things that we have in the house, you know, they, they are turning the heat <laughs> on as well. Uh, so that is really something that we really, really have to uh, to work on. So I had a bit of time in the airplane here, here to finish uh, the book by uh, Bill Gates. You know, don't know if you have read it, but it's it's a great book that I can recommend uh, on how to avoid the climate disaster. And uh, he, you, you know, there's a thousand of different calculations around uh, CO2 emissions and uh, in, from which sector they come from. But he points to, you know, how we make. So the manufacturing sector as such is the single sector that has the largest emissions. 31% uh, of human emissions is somehow built inside the manufacturing sector. And the reason for that is the way we produce uh, cement the way we produce plastics oh, yeah. and the way we produce steel is incredibly CO2 heavy processes. And then first, you know, we start to enrich that and we start to produce that and we start to ship that around the world. 
And he even says, um, you know, this is actually the most tricky sector because we don't have any clear solutions to that. And if you think about developing countries right now, uh, for instance, in uh, Africa, they want the exact same growth as we have here, for instance, in Denmark or in the States. They want the exact same things on Black Friday that they don't have to use uh, just as we have. Uh, so they are looking at China right now and thinking, hey, you know, that is an amazing growth history that China just have been through from going from a very poor country into, you know, maybe one of the richest countries in the world in 30, 40 years of time. But the problem is that China has used more concrete within three years than the U.S. has used in the 20th century. And I just looked up that quote because, you know, every time I, <laughs> every time I use yeah, it, like um, every time I, I, I say that quote, it's like, is that, is that really true? And it is true. It's, it's, uh, it's essentially that, that we have to, to, uh, to battle and to, uh, and I think that AM is a really great tool in the, in that sense, but, uh, I can come, uh, come back to that, uh, in a while. Well, yeah. right, it's, it's fitting. I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that the production of concrete, largely we throw tires to burn, <laughs> to make the heat, yeah. to melt, to do the limestone. And that's a huge chunk of, of this carbon footprint from concrete. Um, but you're right. And that it's uh, a fundamental shift actually has to be done on the manufacturing side and is, but is additive manufacturing enough to do that shift? Do you think? No, so I think I think first of all, <laughs> first of all, I think you know the huge push that has to happen is within materials, right? Uh, so uh, we need you know uh, another form of uh, of cement, another form of steel. There's a really cool, uh, really cool um, cases and issue and uh, research happening in Sweden on that that is really looking uh, promising, uh, and also in terms of uh, plastics, uh, obviously. But right now. So the problem is right now that the demand for these uh, material types is still there and probably will be there, you know, the next 10 or 20 years until we have a sustainable alternative. And what then? What do we do then? And there I really think and hope that AM has a, a key role. And let me just give you uh, one example, just to stay in the concrete uh, sector. We have a mm -hmm. company here in uh, Denmark called uh, Cobot. And they are um, producing uh, concrete 3D printers, right? So huge concrete 3D printers, and they are selling them all over the world. And they've just finished a project in Malawi in Africa, and that saved 70% of CO2 compared with traditional construction. And it gave a house to a family in Africa, and it was fast and it was cheap. That is, to me, a really, really cool example of how AM can save material right now, right here. We even have a new startup called uh, Vaughn that uh, essentially does the same thing, but they do it with reused plastics. So they turn a waste stream into walls in a house and they print 20 square meter uh, houses specifically for students. Again, a really cool example of how to use AM for more sustainability. Also, in terms of our uh, production, our existing uh, production system, you know, there's a lot you can do in terms of, you know, just printing prototypes instead of order them across the world or um, turning your production uh, even more uh, efficient, looking at some of the crazy parts you have in there and just using the design for additive 
to turn them into even more energy efficient um, components. Um, there's a lot to do in your value chain. Uh, can you move production close to the customer? Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, the circular production system has to be uh, put in place much, much broader and much better than what it is uh, today. So often I talk about and have presentations around Denmark around uh, sustainable uh, production. And it's, uh, it's a really, it's a really crazy term, right? Because it's like saying black and white. Uh, it's because every time we produce something, we spend energy, we use material. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of the essence in production. So no matter what we do, uh, we're, you know, bad, you know, worse off. Uh, just by beginning to produce. So when I think about, about sustainable uh, production, typically uh, I think about four things. First of all, we have to think about what we produce. You know, the best thing we can do in terms of sustainable production is not to produce at all. And here, AM is a great tool because you would have digital inventories, digital files, etc. Then right, when you're only making when you need it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Then. When we produce, we only produce with minimum material, minimum waste, minimum energy, and minimum transportation. It's yeah. you know you know it's, you, can, it's, you can you can, you can use the on-demand printing industry for like book printing as, as the ultimate example of this. I suppose yeah yeah of, of yeah. something that's already happened and is a viable industry as a result. Yeah, exactly, and. I also think, you know, often we don't think about this, especially during Black Friday. But then when we have the products in our hands, they have to be able to last. They have to be able to be repaired. They have to be able to be improved. And they have to be able to be tailor-made. In short, the products that we produce, they have to matter to people. You know, we should just stop all of that crazy plastic Black Friday race and just try to get some products that we really are excited about and that we really love, because that, again, would motivate the producers of the future and the talents of the future to drive into production. And then, you know, the fourth point is that uh, when the products are of no use anymore or, you know, they've just uh, at the end of their lifetime, you have, as a producer, you have to be able to take your products back. You know, it's mm. a crazy, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing yeah, that I can yeah. be here in Denmark. You know, if you just think about it as a human being and that, and not as someone deeply involved in the production game, you think, okay, it's actually crazy that you know I can push a button and then I can just order you tons of tons of stuff from all around the world and I can combine that into some kind of product and then I can sell that and no one cares, and I don't care. You know, those those. Days are just over. You have to own your value chain as a producer. You have to make sure that what you get from your suppliers is in line with your brand, is in line with your strategy, and has you know a clear, uh, clear documentation in terms of what it means for our planet. And when you take these, uh, you know, when you take back these products again, you also have to be able to grind them down. Uh, and use that waste as an input for your next products so that you can create these products in a circular uh, process. Are there mm. any materials that you see on the horizon <laughs> in the additive space that are particularly of interest yeah, to help uh, solve this problem? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> one of the things that I 
you know, first of all, it's 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 obviously uh, you know, and plastics is is a really uh, large sector when it comes to uh, to additive, and uh, we have the company in Holland called Reflow. A big shout out to uh, to them. Uh, they uh, turn um, used bottles into filament. Really, that's their business model. And uh, we have here in uh, in Denmark, uh, my uh, foundation create the largest uh, conference in the scan in Scandinavia called the AM Summit. You're all invited. Please reach out. Um, but uh, he uh, Jasper, the CEO, was here, and you know he wasn't making a lot of money on that business. Let me tell you. But he just did that because he just, you know, wanted to create an impact. And I think, you know, more companies like that, uh, that that turn waste streams into filaments, uh, is what we uh, was what we need. In kind of the additive uh, manufacturing industry right now, there's a lot of talk on the PA11 uh, material also that comes from uh, castor castor bean oil and which is specifically uh, good in uh, SLS uh, printing. So typically, uh, you know, cases as the hexa helmet is also super cool, and I think you know the uh, the castor bean oil uh, and the I think you call it the Christ palm or something in in in, in English. Oh yes, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that that material that plant in itself has has some super cool uh, traits, but we still need you know more data and documentation to fully understand if that is a sustainable alternative. Um. And just let me tell you that I it's it's back to my initial point that I was a bit disappointed going to form next because I probably asked, you know, all material suppliers there. Uh, and and everyone was like, you know, we are working on some extremely interesting things, Frank. And it will, you know, in a couple of years, you know, this will go bananas. But right now, <laughs> right now we just uh, we just we just don't know. So I didn't see any tangible uh, material where, you know, I just uh flew back all excited uh but uh but well, i'm sh- i'm sure you, we can uh, we can find it pha yeah uh, i know um what's her name uh color fab mm-hmm. had announced that uh they're they've started up a manufacturing line for pha which okay. is c compostable um although it has a the downside of that material i know is that it has a shelf life of 2 years yeah okay which is problematic (laughs) it is and it's it's always you know when when you start digging in these things and when you start to do something in production yeah you find the problem with it yeah and it's always you know you think wow this is a great idea and you move you know two steps ahead and then you figure what is that is that the consequence and then you feel like oh my god i'm going three steps back again Right, um, like I'm creating a bigger problem yeah yeah yeah, exactly so so I, I really you know uh, when it comes to sustainable production, you know, we've, we've the industrialization we've been, been building the last 100 or 150 years, you know, we, we've just started to recognize right now that, you know, probably something has went wrong <laughs> during that development. Probably, you know, if we could go back in time, we would have built in maybe, let's say, a CO2 tax or, you know, something, you know, a clear right. CO2 documentation or something like that. But we didn't. So we just need to figure out then, OK, now today we have this uh, gigantic monster of production all across the land with, you know, a lot of uh, freight routes and a lot of complexity uh, and it's cheap and it's efficient. But how do we turn that around into something more sustainable? 
Um, and I don't, I don't want to be the one who says, you know, let's wait because we don't have time to wait. Unfortunately, we have to do it today. Uh, and I really think that there's uh, not only a sustainable argument to do that, there's a competitive uh, argument to do so. Because in the future, you know, the people that will be on the streets with uh, Greta Thunberg today, uh, you know, in Denmark, we had what we call a climate election was the, was the last uh, election. And the parliament today is, uh, you know, maybe the the greenest uh, parliament uh, in the world. And they have set, you know, ambitious, ambitious uh, targets. They still need to deliver on those targets, uh, but they have set um, really ambitious uh, targets. And that will happen in, in, in more countries, specifically in Europe and in the States, uh, but also in China and elsewhere. And when that happens, they will demand answers and they won't buy, you know, Happy Meal toys and stuff on Black Friday. They will buy sustained products that they can look at and think this is done in a right way. This is not done in a way where we fight against nature, where we merge and we blow things up and we fire something down. <laughs> this is done in accordance with nature. And if not, there is a clear plan of how to get that in tune with nature again. Yeah, but I think a lot of it also has to be regulation and laws have to be passed. Because I know, for example, in the States, as a manufacturer, I'd love to be doing more green packaging, for example. Yeah. That alone is super helpful. But every time I try and do green packaging and I show it to a big box retailer, they're always like, well, no, because it doesn't look as good as like the other packaging. Yeah. And so they won't take it. Yeah. And the only way it feels like to me to, to, is that you have to force it, that you have to say like, <clears throat> you don't have a choice anymore. You know, you have to make green packaging. Yeah. Otherwise you can't sell this product, a product, any product in this country anymore. And then... All the main, all the retailers would be like, fine, I guess that's what we're taking because that's what everyone's looks like. So let's just move on. But this yeah. belief that you can like make it look close enough or whatever, it, it's not fast enough, as you just said. Like we we need to make these things happen faster, and I feel like legislation is unfortunately the the fastest way to make that happen. It um, is, it is, uh, it is, Max. But it's also, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> actually one of the decisions I saw here in, uh, in in Denmark a couple of years ago, which inspired me the most in terms of gave me a lot of hope in terms of sustainable production, was uh, one of our largest uh, producers, uh, Novo Nordisk. So they produce uh, insulin, insulin, mm -hmm. I think it's, yeah, and they they are like in in Danish size, they're a gigantic company, right? And they just said, you know, uh, if you're a supplier to us and you're not supplying those components, parts or products or whatever to us in a CO2 neutral way, also in terms of transportation, by 2030, you're not going to supply anything to us anymore. And here we're talking 60,000 suppliers, right? Okay. So <laughs> seriously, seriously, that is, that is a, it is a That's bold, an impact. It's, it's a bold yeah. move. It's a, but that is, that is the power of business right now and today, right? Um, that you have, you have a value chain. And if you're kind of in the top of the value chain, you can now today push your value chain in a more sustainable direction. And you would even be able to prove in a couple of years, you would be able to prove the impact that you have done and your customers will love you for it. Mm. I promise you it. <laughs> I would love you for it. I would love you for it. So because I know every time you have to change something in business, right? 
uh, it's a problem because you have to spend money. So every time, you know, I'm typically talking with Danish manufacturers about, you know, let's have a look at additive manufacturing. And they would be like, yeah, we done that in the 80s. Uh, that was uh, bulky and tricky, so we don't want to do it again. And uh, the printers are, you know, very uh, uh, expensive. Uh, and I would say, you know, that's true. But have you fought that one through? What if you could get into a position where, you know, you could have your customers design some of some of the parts that they would want? Uh, mm. What would that What would that deliver um, for kind of value for your customers, for your brand, uh, etc.? Or, you know, what if you could suddenly uh, use completely new material types and also be able to turn, you know, some of the components into a more circular production stream? What would that give you? So it, it's, it's, just, it's just as a business perspective today, it's really important that you look at uh, two main dimensions, and that is technology and that is sustainable. And every time you can combine the two, uh, you know, try just to avoid going into that money trap saying, okay, it's expensive. I don't want to do it. Try just to say maybe because it's expensive, it's worth doing it. Well, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's important. I think, but one thing is like, I love that Nova Nordisk did this, but yeah. it would need to be a whole bunch of companies doing this at the same time in one country to really kickstart this whole industry. Or maybe in your case, maybe that they're big enough maybe, but to, to kickstart the the broader movement into supermarkets and into you know lots and lots of products simultaneously, right? Yeah, no, uh, true. And uh, I think I think one of the largest uh, impacts we could we could do uh, right now was to uh, create a bit of transparency uh, for uh, consumers in terms of what is sustainable. So mm -hmm. if you if you know later I have to uh, to go shop because my uh, uh, I have some uh, uh, some of my uh, parents are <laughs> coming over, so I have to make dinner tonight. I just got that <laughs> got that SMS here, <laughs> uh, and you know I would have a look at uh, at you know for instance the chicken there or the meat there or whatever, and I would look at the declaration or the you know the explanation of how how has this where has this been made, uh, and uh, you know what does this this package contain, but then if I go and want to find a present uh, for my kids. Uh, and I tear down, uh, uh, I, I find some kind of a plastic gun or whatever as a toy for my son. I have no clue, right? right. I have seriously yeah. no clue. It says made in China and looks great and the colors are great. And, you know, it's injection molded in a pretty large machine, I'm guessing. But, you know, besides that, I don't know. So I don't know if this is uh, specifically uh, legislation. For me, it's just common sense, really that we should be able to tell people what the products that we put on the shelf, what they mean in terms of CO2, in terms of material waste, etc. Um, you know, it's, it's funny yeah. because to import a product into a country, the import forms require you to like list out um, what materials, what percentages and things like that. So yeah. a lot of this is calculable it is. on some level. Um, it is. And it's not as hard as I think some people might perceive it to be. It's, it's there. Like, no, you know, we, have seriously. To, we have to get that information anyways. Ser so, ser yeah. And, yeah. you know, I would just, I would just uh, you know, take it one step further and just say, you know, if you're not able to do that, you know, I don't want to have your product uh, on my shelf in my supermarket. 
So there's right. a lot retailers mm-hmm. actually also can do in this uh, in this game also to push kind of the green uh, transition uh, within uh, within production. But to me, there's <clears throat> so in Denmark we have a lot of uh, renewable energy sources, right? Uh, and uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago we invented. 30 years ago, we invented the windmill here in uh, Denmark, and we have, you know, global companies today like uh, Vestas and 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 Ørsted. And a lot of of um, us Danes, we talk about, uh, you know, when we talk about the green transition, we talk about renewable energy sources, uh, which are great and important, and we need them for sure. Uh, but we don't talk about, you know, how are the windmills themselves produced? Where are they produced? Where, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me that also we talk a lot about uh, electric cars these days. How yep. are they produced? So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to make sure that we don't use our green energy sources to create or to produce black products. Because that is just stupid for the planet. The planet does, you know, the planet doesn't care about all, <laughs> all that I'm saying. Here. It, it really just cares about. CO2 material um, and waste, right? And we just need to make sure that we, you know, don't create some kind of game where we only look at energy instead of you, you know, looking at the products also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, as a Dutchman, you didn't invent the windmill. But I, know what you mean. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for that. <laughs> the other ones, the electric ones. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah the, big energy, story, the big yeah. energy company. No, no, no. no. We understood. I think we all understood. Yeah, I get that. I get that now, yeah. yeah uh, we invent a lot of things, but not that one. Yep. Not no, no, no specific one. But, uh, but um, uh, it all makes sense. But And I understand that, that producing on demand and closer to customer is really advantageous right but intrinsically if we look at the energy be going under gas atomization if we look at the energy going into filament and yeah. uh, the energy yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. seven liters of water that goes into pla and the fact that it's a food source material stuff we're not a sustainable technology i mean no. i think uh, okay good i'm happy you said that because people seem <laughs> to think we are <laughs> no it's not it's not at all often i you know really get into uh, to deep conversation around this because people will say is am sustainable i often tell them that you know that is the wrong question the question is how do we use am in a more sustainable way um mm. we only have the tools that we have right now right so you know, we can form something in an injection molder or we can, you know, create some kind of subtractive uh, production process with a milling machine or we can, you know, have uh, additive put in place. And sustainable production uh, to me is all about how to use these free uh, tools in a way where we move to a more sustainable production. Not in 50 years, but today. I so hope you have no role to play in that. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just, but I'm completely agreeing in your point that AM is not there yet. So also, I'm just supporting also my initial comment around, you know, the form next uh, and, and kind of my disappointment in that. Right. Because it just a huge um, shout out to all the AM uh, great companies uh, out there. Also, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, amazing uh, friends uh, out there that I have uh, gotten to know and, and, and worked with the last uh, two, three years. Um, you know, we all need to move together uh, in a direction where we use this fantastic tool 
uh, to create a more sustainable production system. And I often hear, you know, people talking about AM is kind of the technology that hasn't found its problem yet. I don't know if you've heard that, but, you know, that's kind of a critique against uh, AM. And I really hate that uh, <laughs> that sentence because to me, <laughs> to me, there is, you know, there is a clear problem. And that is that our production system is not sustainable. And the processes around the process around uh, formative uh, production or subtractive production, you know, we have done that since the Bronze Age, pretty much, right? Those processes, they are, you know, there's no potential left in those production processes. There's a lot of potential left. You know, uh, AM is uh, just a bit older than me, so it's still really, really young. (laughs) It's only it's only 40 years, 40 years old. But there's a lot of potential within that. AM will only get faster, more energy efficient. We will find new materials and we will, you know, be able to create much better products for the future. I am sure. But we just really need to work on that right now. Fair enough. But okay, so a little bit about like uh, Denmark, remember? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit about Denmark. Okay, so... so uh, what I loved first about when I first started noticing you guys, I, I saw, I happened to see the guest list for, or the attendee list, I think, for the for the the uh, the first summit, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was like everyone was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really big thing. And is that is that an advantage because you're a relatively small country, or did you? How did you get every single like industrial company in your country to attend that first event? I mean, that, <laughs> you yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The first, my first answer is I really don't know, and uh, the, the you know the second answer is uh, I have a great team, uh, and um, you know we always talk about that. We we are not looking at what others are doing. We're trying to create kind of a new way of doing things uh, all the time. Uh, we are not uh, a conference. Uh, the AM Summit is not a conference like uh, Form Next. So often, when you know people come here, come there from EOS Astratus, they will say, they will you know, come up to me and say, you know, this has been the best AM conference I've ever been to, because it's not about the technology as such. It's about you know the strategic target, which is creating a more sustainable production system. And then, you know, let's l- just look at what can AM do for us <laughs> in that um, direction. And we have, you know, breakout sessions with where people would just sit around a table and just really uh, talk about, you know, kind of their challenges in their production uh, company and, you know, their examples and their cases on how they used uh, AM. Um, so I think that's really appealing to uh, to producers that, it's not about necessarily selling a machine or talking about the technology uh, as such. It's about solving, uh, you know, issues in in the production system uh, today. Uh, so yeah, I'm really happy with that. And we also had it uh, like here in late late August, and was just a huge uh, success. Uh, also, again, and we're planning it. Uh, you know, now to, we've we've moved kind of uh, with so many. Uh, now, so many guests now that we have to move it into another uh, conference uh, area also. So, but stay tuned. Uh, also, uh, Max and Joris, because you, you you should definitely come. Um, it would be here next autumn uh, again. So, hoping that uh, Corona will just uh, die away soon, so right. we all can <laughs> we, all... <laughs> we all can we all can meet again. Uh, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't look so good right now. But autumn will be great. I hope. 
specifically, okay, it's like kind of like an unconference thing, but like, what does it mean, like agenda-wise? What's the difference between like um, a traditional conference and specifically, let's say? Obviously, we have uh, exhibitors there, uh, so mm-hmm. that's pretty, uh, pretty uh, a standard thing. And then you know we have uh, a main stage. So uh, this time, for instance, one one speaker would be uh, Andreas Monsen. He is a Danish uh, astronaut. Uh, who uh, just went to the uh, International uh, Space uh, Station <laughs> and uh, luckily is back and uh, just talked about, you know, uh, additive manufacturing. We really encourage the speakers to talk about uh, more the strategic uh, potential than uh, the kind of the technology specifics. Uh, so that was uh, pretty cool, I think, to the uh, also to the uh, Danish AM experts just to hear a man like that talking about, you know, Let's just, you know, for a minute, get our heads out of the printer and just look at this fantastic, amazing technology. And let's just appreciate what we would be able to do. Now, there's a reason why, you know, the Danish architects, uh, big architects and uh, the uh, American uh, printer company Icon, they are doing projects for NASA right now where they're thinking about how to live on Mars and how to live on the moon. And they are using additive manufacturing for that. There's a reason why they're doing that. That's because it's the best technology to do so. Uh, and also because it's a really expensive value chain <laughs> you have in terms of going to another planet, right? So so that's that's pretty clear. So it's only a million dollars a kilo. I don't, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so, so, you know, examples, uh, examples like that, I think people really, uh, really appreciate uh, at our uh, at our conference. And, and 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 is there a way like to to get these people to 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 work together and stuff? That's always the problem. I think I think we were yeah. talking about this with a group of friends yesterday. I mean, it's nice, but when it comes to show and tell, people aren't really into show and tell. So everybody will listen yeah. generally. And but like it's a, if it's you know a specific problem, then it's yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult actually. Usually, it is. It is, and that's also uh, why we have a key role in driving uh, projects and initiatives forward here in uh, in Denmark. Uh, so we're not only doing this uh, conference, uh, though the conference is kind of the heart in bringing uh, bringing the different um, uh, of our different members and stakeholders together. Uh, we are having we have a project portfolio of six eight uh, projects all the time, where we try to look at AM uh, as you know a strategic leverage. For production companies and how to use that for a more sustainable production system, and one might be, you know, how can we design components in a better way, you know, in a more sustainable way? How how can we just, you know, take materials away from a production and then also create a more energy efficient part, for instance? That's a pretty Danish AM hub uh, examples, and from that you would have, uh, you know, fifteen twenty Danish uh, small medium sized producers that actually has done an impact and that's pretty strong right that's pretty strong that they would just take take the stage or tell about their case and say you know we did that we took this new technology and you know we were a bit skeptical to begin with but right now um this part here saves you know 50 percent is is 50 percent more energy efficient and we have examples like that and i'm just thinking you know if we can create one example like that it wouldn't be impossible to create 1,000 or 100,000 uh, examples like that. And then just right now, right here, just drive down material transportation waste and CO2. 
Yeah. And, and and how do you get people to like keep working together on this? I mean, it's nice to do a conference, or uh, and but how do you then take yeah. it offline and then get them to continue and not that it just is like a once a year event? So. Yeah, that's actually the reason why we uh, uh, created this membership model. Uh, and let me tell you, it's not it's not particularly a good business for us because we spend much more <laughs> money that one than what we get in uh, in terms of membership. But we just wanted to, you know, just to make sure that people have a bit of a skin in the game. Uh, so, for instance, uh, EOS or Stratasys, that they would just say, you know, it's not, you know, Danish AM Hub is not only nice to have, it's only, it's always, it's also neat to have. And, you know, we want to get something out of our money. So they are pushing us uh, a bit to, to, you know, create new initiatives and new uh, projects. And we are pushing them back to be even better on sustainable uh, manufacturing. And EOS is are doing great stuff uh, right now on that. Uh, and then from that, we can get, you know, these uh, rings in the water um, so that they turn to the Danish uh, industry. And we have 16, 17,000 produ- producers within the small and medium-sized segment. And each day they are competing against, you know, uh, Chinese companies or German companies, and they are doing a great job. They are, you know, they are, you know, I'm really, really uh, respecting uh, the Danish producers because, you know, they have to pay a lot of taxes in Denmark, let me tell you. Um, Mm -hmm. But they are really, really doing a great job and they are competitive. And right now in Denmark, you know, we have the highest growth in like 30 years in that uh, sector. Um, And we see really cool examples of how they are turning their production right now into a more sustainable production. You know, connecting members in like EOS, for instance, and talking with them about, you know, how would we be able to put your expertise and resources in play in terms of these 20,000 producers, you know, maybe not involve all of them at once, but maybe just take 10 (laughs) and let's just prove how can we get rid of CO2 in a project with you. That is really how we try to engage people and just keep them on, keep them locked in uh, on our mission, you know, from summit to summit and what would you what advice would you give let's say i was trying to do something similar let's say in the netherlands um uh, yeah. what, would, what, would, what advice would you would you like uh, give somebody doing that the things that i'm talking about here around uh, sustainable uh, production it's not something that's here right now right it's a vision uh, that uh, we're sharing here in in this uh, lovely uh, podcast because uh, you know that vision has to come true um so the only way to realize a vision or to make a vision true is to get people to follow you, right? And you can only do that if, if uh, you know, people feel that you're doing a difference. There's uh, a clear connection between what you say and what you, uh, what you do. Um, and, you know, I would just recommend that, uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is uh, and uh, do... Get a clear ambition uh, and then drive forward activities that can prove people that, okay, there is actually something, uh, there is actually something here. One of our uh, big projects uh, next year is to develop a CO2 calculator uh, because we've noticed that uh, often within the production system, you would have uh, LCAs, so life cycle uh, assessments, and typically, you know, they would be there after something has been produced, <laughs> which is fine uh, because, you know, it gives you a lot of uh, knowledge and then you can use that. But we just want to move that uh, ahead. So we want to, to create a software tool 
that calculates uh, the CO2 level when you, for instance, shift to AM and then, you know, get that in front of your production so that you can see, you know, I haven't done that yet, but I'm just looking at the numbers here and I can see, you know, I have a 10% better footprint if I do so. And if I, you know, buy this a bit more expensive technology. So that's something uh, we're pretty excited about and that we would launch uh, next year. And, uh, you know, from that one, it would uh, prove to the producers involved in the in the project that, yeah, okay, actually there is something here uh, in terms of uh, a more green production system. And two, we would be able to showcase this on our website. Uh, and specifically, I would be able to, you know, communicate to you the next time you invite me into this great podcast that, you know, we've just eliminated these amounts of uh, millions tons CO2 with our projects and with our members. And that is what I think, um, you know, organizations like, like mine can do and can drive forward. Put in place a vision, get a lot of followers, put the money where the, where the mouth is, be sure, to, <laughs> be sure to deliver on the promises and then create kind of transparency around that so that hopefully a lot more people can be motivated. Okay, that's cool. And then, where do you what do you hope to achieve for 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 the Danish AM hub like the last five years? Where do you, where do you want to be? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, so we've just had uh, here this uh, Tuesday we had uh, the uh, election for uh, local municipalities here in uh, in Denmark, and there's been a lot of uh, conversations in uh, in a small town called uh, Viborg because uh, Apple, you know, the gigantic uh, company in the states that delivers our iPhones, love it. Apple has decided to put a data center in uh, in Denmark, uh, which is you know great. Uh, at least uh, you know the politicians in uh, in Vibor in Jutland they fought. Um, and the reason why Apple chose Denmark is obviously because we have a lot of green renewable energy sources. It's stable, it's safe, and it's actually quite cheap. So just placing your data center there makes a lot of sense. Now, the politicians thought that, you know, there would be a lot of activity around that data center. You know, we could have employment of a lot of Danes, but uh, really, <laughs> that, you know, that won't happen. Because uh, about, data... uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's just a bunch of computers sitting there. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, pol the politicians were like, okay, uh, okay, we had that wrong. Cool. Um, but Danes are, you know, the energy sources we have in Denmark, the renewable energy sources are some, you know, we have, the Danes have paid them um with our tax system right uh, and that energy is now you know going into a data center that is great for apple but you know it's just not giving us <laughs> any uh, any, uh, real, so there... uh, any real value so i'm just thinking right. with if if i let's say in five years uh, that we meet again and i could say you know what uh, we have the best designers and the best producers in the world uh, we have a stable energy system I know that the printer has a problem and it is that, you know, time and energy, you know, also the material uh, side of things. But let's just, you know, let's just assume that we'll figure out how to get new, better, sustainable materials for the printer side. Then it's an energy game. And we have green energy in Denmark. We have the best designers, the best producers. So why don't Stratasus, EOS, all, all the rest 3D systems or all the rest large AM producers and technology providers why don't you put in place your production facilities here in Denmark? And let's just see 
if we can design, develop, and produce the green products of the future, because that is what we would drive together. And it's a clear, you know, vision that I have. I am not sure that that would happen, uh, but it would be a clear proof uh, that uh, our mission uh, is really uh, been turning into something real. Okay. Well, it's very, very ambitious, but I have a very lovely vision indeed. And uh, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you and, so much. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, Max, thank you for being here as well. No, it was a pleasure. Fascinating. Uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com. underscore